We're going to start a new series this morning, uh, kind of our Christmas series. Uh, it's going to be called Be Present. We're going to talk about being present uh, in really four or five different ways over the next several weeks. What does it mean to be present? And today we're talking about being present in the presence of the Holy Spirit, being present in the presence. How many times uh, do you drive down the road and you're maybe going home, you're going to work, and you realize, how in the world did I get here? How many people do that like on a regular basis? Like, I, I don't even know how, where's the last 20 minutes of my life going? I could have hit a deer and I would not have known it. I just, I'm somehow at work and I don't understand. Uh, maybe we're uh, thinking about how busy we are, how what our to-do list is, I got what I got to do with our kids, I got to take my kids to practice tonight, or, you know, I got to mow the yard, or, man, that, maybe it's stress. Maybe there's things in your life, you're just thinking about your thoughts, maybe you just had an argument with your spouse, you're thinking about that, or you're just zoning off because this is the only quiet time you get is that 15, 20 minutes to work, all right? Uh, but we, we, we are so busy as Americans, even though we have washing machines and dryers and microwaves and stoves that people years ago never had, we are somehow more busier with the more time that we've been giving. Anybody ever wonder why in the world that is? We're more busy even though we have all this technology in our life. You know, as Americans, we're always rushing to get somewhere, but where are we really going? In high school, uh, I remember ready to get to college. It was, I hated high school. I was a nerdy little skinny guy who couldn't play sports, and I, I just hated high school. A band geek, art geek, and I was just ready to get to college. And then in college, what happens? Well, I'm ready to get to marriage. And then in marriage, you get there, you get your career, I've got to get a house. And then when you get a house, you're going to have kids. And when I get to kids, you're thinking, Lord, I can't wait till retirement. And I, you know what I'm talking about? And, and you get to retirement, and you're like, well, where did all the time go? How did we get here? We just kind of, how's my, cat, my kid, my, kid, my little girl, we moved here. She was a baby. She's already five. Like, where in the world does it go? And it's kind of like that autopilot thing. We're driving, and somehow we wake up and we're at work. Or we wake up, we're in the car, and we find where we are. But we get to the end, and we're asking ourselves, how did we get here? You know, uh, I began to Google being present this week, and you can't believe how many articles I found uh, from Psycholo uh, Psychology Today, the Huffington Post, New York Times about being present. People are trying Zen meditation. They're trying yoga. They're trying all these New Age philosophies. They're trying no-tech fasts, which is a good idea, by the way. We're putting the cell phones away in the fridge. I mean, we're just doing all kinds of weird things. We're even trying new ways to engage our kids to get them off of the screen time, and reinventing parenting on a whole new level. I mean, there's all kinds of parenting books, how to deal with being present, being present with your family, being present with your kids, being present with other people, actually looking people in the face and talking to them, right? I know some of that just irks us, right? Uh, and, and, but it's, it's all over the place. I'm talking thousands of articles since like 2010 on how to be present. Many people are searching for this ideal American life but what is the ideal spiritual life? It's like this drive home, but unfortunately in your spiritual life, you don't get anywhere on autopilot. Your spiritual life doesn't happen on accident. Going deeper with God, getting into the presence of God is not something that just happens because you get in the car and start going somewhere. You've got to be engaged with God on this journey called Christianity. 
You have got to be engaged every day in the presence of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to be present in the presence of God? What does it mean to always be engaged in the presence of God? Look with me in James 4, 13. Uh, Let's talk about autopilot for a minute. He says, look here. I'm reading the New Living today. Look here, you say. Tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we're going to travel to a certain town, and we're going to stay there a year. We'll do business there. We'll make a profit. But how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, but then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, or the Lord wills, we will live. That's a good start. And we'll do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. I love how he says it. If the Lord wills, I'll survive tomorrow. If the Lord wills, I'll get up tomorrow and I'll go to work. If the Lord wills, I'll get up tomorrow and I'll go to vacation. But if the Lord does not will that I get up tomorrow, where am I going to be? I mean, he, he, he starts it off just saying, guys, do you understand that the Lord could not will you to do certain things? He's talking to some rich people who call themselves Christians, and you know, I guess they're thinking, you know, America is one of the, the richest country in the world, and the church in America is the, re, uh, the, the richest church in the world. Even the poorest of us are richer than most of the world. And he's, he, you could talk to us. We make all of our plans. We've got all of our businesses. We've got all our goings and doings. We've got our sports. We've got our activities. We've got our dance classes. We've got our, our, our vacations. We've got our retirement packages. We've got all this stuff. We've got our movies and our entertainment and our hobbies and our houses and our cars and our boats and our folders and our Range Rovers and all this kind of stuff. we get got all these things. And he says, but guys, what if the Lord doesn't want you to live tomorrow? What's the point of it all? He's saying, you've been making all your plans But are you engaged every day? They were making plans without the presence of God. You know, they weren't not Christian. We're we're Christian. We want to be Christian. But he's saying, but as a Christian, you can't live your life apart from being present in the presence of God. Everything you do is about the presence of God. Everything you do is about being in and with God. And he's saying, so let's start with the front part. If the Lord wills, there's a good one, you might live tomorrow. And then if he wills, then what is his will for what you should or should not do? And I think he's really speaking to a, to a people who get out of sync with God. They, yeah, they're a Christian, but you get out of sync with that. I don't know about you, but I get out of sync with God sometimes pretty easy. And it normally happens like this. I have a routine. I'm a big I'm a routine person. I'm OCD, okay? I like routine. And, and I have my prayer time in the morning. I have my Bible reading every day. I have my thing. But if people come in or things get disrupted, uh, it kind of just throws me all off. And we went on vacation uh, last week. And let me tell you, on vacation, it's not routine. You're doing all different things. So my prayer time wasn't as long or where it should have been. My Bible reading wasn't as long or where it should have been. And so I just, my mind was all over the place and not at all thinking about God. And, and I got, I'm, I'm on vacation, and we're going through uh, this theme park, and I'm thinking, God, i got to be aware of you at all times. Lord, help me to, to be in the zone with you. And I remember coming home, and, and I went out to the deer stand, and I was just like, God, i got to put out all these things in my life and say, God, I, I just want to be in you and with you because I, am, I, I just lost it this week because I'm, I'm out of sync with you. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only person? Can I be human today? All right, I'll be human today. But, but it's, it's getting in sync with God. And some of our lives are so crazy, they don't even know what sync is. We, we, sometimes we go through the motion. Christianity is just something we are without thinking. It's that autopilot thing. Sure, in our minds, we come and we come to the church and we say, oh, yeah, pastor, I want to be that. Like, I want to be like that. I want to worship God. I want to come down front. I want to go on that mission trip. One day, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go all in. And one day, God, I'm going to worship you without caring what other people think. And, and one day, God, I'll, I'll be like that. Yeah, God, I want to be like that. And yet, life happens. And it's like, are you going to get there? Are you going to be that radical, on-fire Christian that goes crazy for God, that nobody, doesn't care what other people think? He's like, oh, I'd like to be. But you're never going to get there on accident. You're never going to be one of those Christians that just give all their money to the poor and people think, man, that guy is awesome, like for Jesus. You know, or when those people who go on missions trips and just change the world around them, or those people who just love other people sacrificially, and everybody just loves to be around them because they're just these awesome Christian people. You don't get to that place on accident. You don't get to that place on autopilot. You say, God, I want to be a person, a man or a woman who is engaged every day in the presence of God. Somebody say amen. 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 You know, and sometimes in our Christian life, we, we think that engaging God is this, and I've been guilty of this a lot growing up in church, because churchianity is one of the things that has really affected me, just this, that church and Christianity sometimes get messed up in my head. But engaging God is not something that happens just in a worship service. It's not something that just happens when the songs are good, or the preaching's good, or the movement of the, the worship moves me, or, or I come down to the altar, or that it happens just on a Sunday. Engaging God for so many Christians is something that happens at 1030 on Sunday morning or or maybe after a good conference or a youth camp or a youth rally. But, you know, there's no scripture prescribing how to encounter God in this way. I looked. Sure, you can go to the, Old, the New Testament and say, but Pastor Heath, didn't you remember the early church met in prayer meetings and the power of God showed up and it shook the building where they're all at and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But I also know that they were a people who was engaging God 24-7. And the worship time they had together was an overflow of their daily life. So I have to think, if our worship is dead in the church, then that means we're dead at home. That means that we are dead ourselves. You can't go to a church service and say, well, man, that, that was okay. It was a good song service. But did you feel the presence of God? Well, that means that you're not in the presence of God. That means that, that it's not about did the worship team do good or the pastor preach good or did you feel the goosebumps this morning? It's like, no, am I a person who is engaging God before I ever walk through these doors? What does it mean to live aware of the presence of God 24-7? I'm going to talk to you, give you four things real quick today about engaging God. Four things about engaging God. And I told you the vision I had earlier this week about uh, our church. And God, and I just shared just briefly for those who are listening online, that, you know, God just kind of showed me that it's like he has purchased our groceries. We go to Walmart, we get the groceries, he's purchased them. We put them in the bags, we bring them home. But our life is so chaotic and crazy 
and, and we come into the house and we put all the groceries. We, you know, we can't just go to the car five times. It's a one tripper, right? You're going to get as many groceries as you can. It's like 20 pounds uh, on each arm of groceries. And you come into the house and you put them on the kitchen countertop and things are crazy. The phone's going off. The kids are doing whatever. And you're like, okay, I can get to that in a minute. And sometimes, some of you I know, your groceries are there for like two days probably. Uh, and you never unpack them. That Walmart bags are just everywhere. And, and it's like that sometimes with the Holy Spirit, that He has purchased our love, our joy, our peace, and He's placed it inside of us. And we've taken ownership of it. I own those groceries. Once I leave Walmart, they are mine. And I own them. They've been purchased. They're in my possession. But I bring them home, and I never get to do with them what they're meant to do. Right? I never use them for their purpose. I never partake of them. If you left your groceries in the Walmart bag on the countertop forever, you could say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I've received the Holy Spirit. I believe all the doctrine. It is in me. I own it. But what are you doing with it? Are you experiencing His love on a daily basis? Can you partake at any time you want from His peace, from His goodness? Can you, do you speak in tongues? Do you see signs and wonders? Follow those who believe. Let's just get real. We can just stay with the love, joy stuff. But it says signs and wonders. We'll follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. That's the Bible, by the way. It's not a Baptist version or a Pentecostal version. It's just the one version, right? There's the Bible. And it says that these signs will follow. So that means my, my life should not just be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It should be some radical supernatural stuff that I'm supposed to be unpacking in my life, not just the pastors, for everybody who believes. And I just want to say, God, how do, I, how do we be a church that is unpacking the Holy Spirit and partaking of all that He has? Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, uh, he says to these people, he says, I want you to walk pleasing to the Lord, increasing in the knowledge of Him. Chapter 1, verse 10, I want you to have an increasing knowledge of Him. Immediately, some of us could go to the doctrinal side or go to the learning side. I love to read books about God. I don't like any other kind of books. I hated to read as a child, but as I got with God, I love reading Christian books. And, and I just got convicted this week. Somebody, uh, an author challenged me. He said, uh, you're reading too much, basically is what the author was saying. You're reading too much. You need to experience God. And I looked at this verse, and it says, I want you to increase in the knowledge of him. It's not a head knowledge it's an experiential knowledge, the Greek there. I want you to experience God more so you know Him more. I got married to my wife, uh, and we started dating when I was 16, but I didn't read a book to know her. I got to know her relationally. So I know more about her than anybody else in the world. I know pretty much everything about her. But I didn't do it by purposefully getting a book and reading things. I knew it about spending time with her. And the same is true about you and God. He says, I want you to know God more. How do you know God more? You spend time in his presence every day, 24 hours a day, not just make a schedule, 24 hours a day. I'm married to Beth Harris. I don't just put a time slot in there and say, I'll text her at 1210 and I'll see her at 530 and then I'll engage her, you know, over a conversation of dinner and da, 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 da. no, I'm in a relationship every day. She could call me. I could text her any time of day, any day. And if I think about her, I could do that. Right. And that's how we should be. So number one on this engaging God is this. See him all around you. See God all around you. You know, Adam and Eve really messed up when they forgot God was everywhere. They go in the garden. He walks with them every day. And it was, like I say, give you an example, 3 p.m. Every day at 3 p.m., God shows up. 
Well, I know, don't sin at 3 p.m., right? They didn't sin at 3 p.m. They waited till he left. And we get in trouble when we walk out of this building. We think God just shows up on Sundays. He knew what they had done. And he comes to me and says, hey, guys, <clears throat> where are you at? He knew where they were. He knew what they did. He knew what they were wearing. I mean, everything. He was always there. But they just thought he was gone. We get in trouble every time. We go to our coworkers. We get in our jobs. We say things we shouldn't say. We watch things we shouldn't watch. We go places we shouldn't go. We hang with people maybe we shouldn't hang with. And we think things we shouldn't think, thinking nobody sees me. Nobody sees me. And when I go to Sunday, I'll repent. Before I go in those doors, I'll make it right with God. I don't want to go in those doors, not right, but I'll get right and then I'll go to church. He knows everything. He is everywhere. Psalms declare that he is a God that you see in creation, his majesty and awe. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to a place of the death, uh, depths and the death, you're there. Uh, everywhere is his spirit. Everywhere is acknowledging his glory. The mountains declare the glory. The sky declares the glory. The stars. Everything is declaring that there is a God. And he is here and he is alive and he is present. So I should acknowledge God every sunrise. I should go out and acknowledge God every storm that rolls in. I should go out on a starry night, which is my favorite. I love I have a telescope. I love to look out at the stars and the moon. And just to say, that is is the glory of God everywhere. When I go out to the trash at night and take the trash out to the truck, uh, and it's like I look up and I say, man, that God is good. There's, there is a God. You see the clouds rolling in. You can look up and say, man, there is a God. You're driving down the highway, and you just see the beautiful sunset. You should declare there is a God, and his presence is here right now, not just on Sundays. Where can you go from his presence? You're never alone. Colossians 1.17 I've been looking at these verses, uh, just meditating on these verses for a week. And, and, and you can write them down. I think they're on the screen. Colossians 1.17 and 1 Corinthians 8.6 and Romans 11.36. These verses have just impacted me this week because this is what it says in Colossians. He says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And Corinthians says that everything has come from God, that you exist for Him, and by Christ the word, that everything came to be through him and we exist through him. And Romans says it this way. I love this one. It says that you exist for him, through him, and to him. I want you to think on that for a minute. That at the basic place of life, that through every tree, every tree is existing today because God has ordained it to be as such. He is, it's in the mind of God, that tree, that bird sing, that every, every, every fiber, every matter, if you go to the beyond the atom, you're going to find God. You go to the end of the universe, what you're going to find? God. You're going to go to the beginning of time, what you're going to find is God. What you're going to go to the end of time, what you're going to find is God. If you go into my DNA and you go smaller than any man has ever seen, what you're going to find is God. You go to the, the smallest atom and you go beyond the atom, what you're going to find is God. That everything is held together by, through, and to him. There is nowhere you can go that you exist today. James is saying, what if God willed that you wouldn't exist? It'd be so. That you are alive today as matter in these, this room because God is imagining and is existing and that you, it's his will that you're alive and breathing. It's, your, it's his will that nothing exists outside the spoken word of God. There was nothing. He spoke it and there it was. Amen. So there is nothing that is separate from God. That you and me, it says that you exist for God. You exist through him. 
think about that. Through him, you don't exist apart from God. You exist through him, and then you exist to him. That means that you and I were created to worship and declare the glory of God. You can't go anywhere from his presence, and his presence is designed to be in you. You are designed. You have a purpose to worship God. You are an instrument of God's glory. You were made to be in the presence of God every day, every night, every week, every year, 24 hours a day. That's what you're made for, and that's what your destiny is. That's where you're going. Do we have our being in him? Is our purpose in life source? We were, I was just sitting uh, again at the deer stand that day, and the, and the sunrise came, and it was a fog, and the, and the lights just came through the trees, and it was like gold and orange and hitting, glistening off the fog. And I just sat there, man, this is beautiful. And I just felt the presence of God. Do we get up in our day and say, God, I know you are here with me? Some of the best pastors in the world... Uh, I've written books, and a lot of them, well, you'll see this theme. They get up in the morning, the first thing they say is say, Good morning, God. What do you want to do today? There's a, a popular book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. There's other popular books, uh, you know, Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner by David Young Yi Cho. All of those guys who've seen mighty wonders for God, you know what they do? Every morning they get up, and the first person, before they look at their phone, before they look at anything, they say, Hello, God. Good morning. They acknowledge the presence of God the first thing they wake up. Number one, know that God is existing. See him around you. Number two, see him in the word. See him in the word, not only in nature, but we should see the presence of God in the word, the scriptures. Uh, no, worship comes through the word. In Acts 10, Peter's speaking, just preaching out of the Bible about Jesus. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were filled because they simply heard. It wasn't an emotional service. There wasn't some yelling and some screaming and some spitting and some oil being slung everywhere. They didn't have cloths to throw on people or nothing like that. They didn't have catchers. It was just simply the Holy Spirit descended when someone was preaching who Jesus was. Amen. Just the word of God alone. Without any hype, God wants you to know there is a mystery. The Ephesians 1.9 says there was this great mystery that was hidden before all time that nobody knew about, but God had ordained pieces of it throughout the entire Old Testament. And it was a mystery that God would reveal His plan through His Son, and His Son would come to save the world for the love of mankind. That this mystery, you can see Christ in Adam, and you can go forward, and you can see Christ in Noah, and you can see Christ in Jonah, and and Moses, and David, and, and all the prophets. You can see hints of him throughout all of Scripture. We can look back, and we can see that he is the high priest, that he is the lamb, that he is the tabernacle. He is the glory of God. He is the, the dwelling place of God. You can see that he is everything from beginning to end, and then we get the full revelation of him in the New Testament, that he is the embodiment, the image of the invisible God. In Colossians, he is before all things, and all things are held together by him, that he is the firstborn of creation, the head of everything, and he is the head of the church, you and me. And now you 
and I are in Christ. If that does not wow you that God had this secret plan that has now been revealed in these last days, and that uh, Colossians says that in Christ are all the hidden mysteries and knowledge by just thinking on and meditating on Him and looking at His Word, that He is the Word just saying, this thing is alive. How could uh, dozens and dozens of authors over centuries put this stuff together with complete uniformity and doctrine and, and, and history and and uh, 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 theology, and say, God, there's no division in this book because it's a beautifully, beautifully crafted mosaic of God's undying, undefinable, amazing love for you and for me through Jesus Christ. We should come to this book and say, wow, wow. If you're not there, you need to get some. Some more Jesus, some more the Holy Spirit, because I remember I grew up in church my whole life uh, in an Assemblies of God church, very, very a good church, good pastors, good parents. Uh, my parents taught me to, to follow God, but I never experienced him really for myself. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, right at the end of high school, and I go off to college, and I begin the reading the Gospel of Luke. And as I begin to go through the Gospel of Luke, I had a little journal, and I'm telling you, I had never experienced it before. As I was just beginning to go page by page and read it really with a different set of eyes. I'd read the Bible. I read the Bible all the way through. But just with a different set of eyes, spiritual eyes. Begin to read. God began to speak to this little nine, uh, freshman college student about who he was. And at the end of that time, I had 66 sermons that I would preach later on or have nuggets for later on i was never i wasn't called at the time but just a person who said god i'm hungry to know you more and if you want to know god more you can experience him every day through the word of god the bible says that so many christians have set their mind on earthly things but christ has been revealed in this last day are we on autopilot that we can just read the bible and we don't say wow anymore it's just a devotional it's just the you version today. This is what I'm supposed to read. One Psalm, one Proverb, one New Testament Scripture. No, 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 come on. Put all that away. That's not bad. But do you experience God in the Word? Can you read it and say, I know God is alive. He's speaking to me right now. He's with me in this moment. And I'm present in the presence of God as I just read that verse. If you're not experiencing that today, you need a personal revival in your heart. You need to engage God. Number three, see Him in you. Colossians 3.10 says, When you're saved, you'll die to the old self. You'll put on a new self. This new self is made in the image of God. That means the Holy Spirit is now inside of you. He's given you a picture of who God is, what He wants you to be like. You get a, you get a glimpse of God's love. You sense all that God likes, all that He doesn't like, and you start to know Him on this more personal and intimate level. So I see him in, in the world around me. I see him in the word. And now I get to see him in me. Ephesians says it this way in chapter 2, verse 5. It says, when you were dead in your trespasses, your sin, your, your criminal record, God made you alive. Everybody say together. Together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Raised us up with him. You didn't just get raised up. You were raised up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. It's not something that just happens to you. It's something that happens to Christ first. Now, follow me this morning. 
This born again, alive with Christ experience, what is this? It means that you and I get to participate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What happened to him on day three in the tomb is happening to you right now. We didn't get that. I want you to think about it. The same Holy Spirit, we heard this verse, that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. And he says that he's made you alive, not just to be this living thing on your own, but you are alive in Christ, with Christ. You are in and with him that he's living inside of you. So that same resurrection spirit is living in you if you're born again. So how in the world do we have a dull Christianity? If the same Holy Spirit that jolted Jesus up out of the grave is in me, how do I have a dull Christianity? How do I have a dead Christianity? How do I have a, 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 a blah Christianity? Just, okay, I'm going through the motions. That says, what does it mean to be alive? It's to experience Him in this mysterious union and all power. But I tell you what, I was fearful of getting in the presence of God. I was nervous to raise my hands and go forward. I was, I was scared to go to an altar call because I didn't get how awesome He was. I hadn't experienced it for myself, and it wasn't until I experienced God without... My, my friends had to be gone from the this, this service I was in. All my friends were not there. I was the only youth in the service, and I wouldn't have done it with peer pressure and all that. And as a youth, I, I don't even know how I got to the front, but as I experienced God, my life was changed from then on. And I never cared. I did a little bit. But it took some time that I stopped caring about what people thought about me, I stopped caring about raising my hands in worship. I stopped caring about speaking tongues. I stopped caring about talking to people about God. I stopped caring about standing up in front of people and preaching. I stopped caring because he's so much better. He's good. And I'm not, I'm not, if my kid does something awesome, you'll probably know about it on Facebook. They're pretty awesome. They come from this DNA, right? But, but how much more? Should I be excited that I am united with the God of the universe who died and transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son and whom holds all things together? I should be a little bit crazy for Jesus. What am I waiting on? What are we fearful of? I am alive together. With Christ. So I should see him in me. I should sense him every day. I don't just have to see him in nature. I don't just see him in the word. But right here, right now, no matter where I go, in my car alone after the worst day of my life, I can say, God, be with me. God, I know you're in me. Lord, fill this car, fill this room, fill my prayer closet. Some of my best times in the presence of God have not been with a spitting preacher. They have been by myself, alone with God. Number four, see Him in others. See Him in others. Another way and the last way you can experience God is through His manifested body. You know what that is? The people of God. You want to experience the fullness of Christ? You've got to experience Him through the church of God, the body of Christ, the people of God. Ephesians says in chapter 2, verse 21, You are built and joined together as a holy temple, a dwelling place of God, or for God by the Spirit. That, that 
the fullness of God is never manifested uh, in full capacity until we are united together. You can have a lot of God on your own, and the fullness of God's going to be in you, and you're going to have everything God has for you. But you don't really get to know who God is until you are part of a family of faith. You can't, in my opinion, be a Christian by yourself. Yes, you can die on a cross and be a thief and go to heaven. You can do that. Confess him in the last one. But God's will for you is to be intricately joined together with other people who are different from you. Why? Because by forgiving you, I know God more. By loving you, even though you're different than me, I know God more. It forces me to know God more. I get to learn patience with people who are pushing all my buttons. I get to worship together with people who don't like or worship like I do. I, I get to know God more, and I see missions around the world, and I see all the different colors of people that he died for, and all the different types of ways people do church, and all the different uh, types of people, and all their gifts and their talents. I get to know the beauty of God, and all of his uniqueness and his diversity by loving people who are not like me. And it makes me know and appreciate and love God more, because I get to be around people that otherwise I probably wouldn't be around. And it makes me a better person, makes me more like Christ when I have to forgive that person that I would normally not forgive and I would just choose not to be their friend no more. It's that's what church is all about. Forgiveness and unity and breaking down division and forgiving one another. And so by coming together, I should see God in you. You want to really get to know God? Look at somebody else and say, I can appreciate something about them. I thank God for them. Thank God for my worship team and our staff and our elders and our leadership team. I can look at people and say, man, uh, you know, I, I can brag on some of these usher guys that come and they'll set up tables before events and after events. I say, man, thank God for them. You know, thank God for people who use their gifts in the church that I see God working through them. I look at our kids and kids church and they come up here to sing and you can just see God. You know, that's the beauty and the glory of God is in our, our kids and our youth. Do you see God? And other people, the fullness of God, Ephesians says that I pray that you would comprehend with all of the saints. What's the width, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's love? And he goes on, he's saying, this is how you'll be filled up to the fullness of God. Is that together with everyone, know how to be a part of the family of faith. Know how to worship together in spirit and in truth, in one mind and one accord. That's the reason that the, the Lord's Prayer says the first thing, or one of the first things is, God, if you want to be forgiven of your sin, you've got to forgive somebody else that sinned against you. You can't experience the fullness of God until you're in unity with the body of Christ. Where do we go from here? How do you live mindful of the presence of God? Mindful means to be fully aware at the present moment, one author says. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. There's this word called Sabbath. Shabbat. This Sabbath. And for Sabbath, it came to the Israelites as the seventh day where God rested. But it really wasn't just about that. We'd go on, the Sabbath would become about services, it'd become about principles, it'd become about uh, special holidays. But Sabbath was really a foreshadow of something, is that you and I will rest together 
in the presence of God for all eternity. And he would remind Israel that you need to rest in me. He would mandate six days of work, one day of rest. It was because he wanted you to be mindful of his presence Mindful of his presence and Jesus becomes this Lord of the Sabbath and he teaches us that you can be mindful of the presence of God and he'd get up in a mountain and go to pray at 3 a.m. and he'd be mindful of God. And, and he would walk in the presence of God, and you can walk in the peace of God. And he, We would follow the early church, and the early church would say, hey, let's keep meeting on Sundays every week. And we follow Hebrews that says, hey, let's not forsake the gathering of ourselves together because we want to be together and be the church and be mindful. See, it's not a religious thing. He's saying, I want you to be a people that are always aware that you need the presence of God more than work, more than life itself. And I want you to remember that you've got to rest and be in me, whether it's your daily prayer life every day, whether it's going to church every day, uh, every week, whether it's fasting. Let me tell you something. If you get between uh, uh, the flesh and the devil is coming against you on all sides and you don't know how to get through this this place and get out of auto uh, autopilot, you need to be fasting. You need to engage with God. Jesus said that sometimes there's spiritual breakthrough, spiritual opposition that doesn't come out except for prayer and fasting. And prayer and fasting often accompanied worship. All of this together saying, God, I need to be engaging your presence. How do I be present in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Am I praying every day? Am I engaging God in the worship gathering of the church? Am I fasting and pressing through this autopilot zone that we are often in and saying, God, I want to be a person that doesn't just experience your presence in a worship song or in a worship service or through this Sunday morning time slot. Be a person that says, God, I am present in the presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, in this moment, we ask you to have your way. Have your way in this moment. We want to engage and be present in the presence of God. Father, I'm praying for men and women who will get up every morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. People who will go through their work days and be conscious, conscious of you. Students who will be aware of you at the locker and the locker rooms. Lord, people who will be driving down the highway and be aware of you, worshiping you all day, every day. God, that we're not just on autopilot. We say, God, I'm going to be present in the presence of God. Holy Spirit, come. Right now, you just make that altar with you and God. You know where you are. I'm not going to...